Hello and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by a returning guest to the podcast. He is a host of the Tone Mob podcast and a co-host of the Chasing Tone podcast. It's Blake Wyland. Blake has returned with what has to be one of my favourite recent discoveries in the sitcom landscape, and that is the fantastic show Raising Hope. In fact, I really owe the discovery of this show to Blake entirely. As we get into in this episode, it was a recommendation from him after the last time that we spoke, and when I finally got around to watching it with my wife, I just fell in love with the show, and then when I had the idea for doing this series once again, I had to include it, and I had to get Blake back on the podcast. He was an absolute delight, as always, and we had so much fun exploring this very underrated show. We, of course, get into our favourite characters, moments, the setup, how in some ways it's a spiritual sequel to another very popular sitcom, and so much more. This leads us quite nicely into a bit of a, you could say, off-topic discussion at the start of the episode, but really it's very pertinent given what's going on in Hollywood right now. We talk about writers, production, what goes into making a show, and how that can sometimes be quite a difficult landscape to navigate. It's a really interesting and nuanced conversation that we weave into as we go about exploring this absolutely wonderful show. So, let's just get to it then. This is Raising Hope with Blake Wyland. Hello, Blake, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Not a lot, really. It's the end of the week for me, so it's kind of a nice wind down and to sit down and chat with you again uh, on the podcast, it's it's been too long. How long has it been? About a year, I think. I think it might have been two years. Two is it two? Yeah, because I feel like we were in the the throes of of COVID lockdown mania. Like I when think we you're were. right. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what? I'm gonna have a quick look at my own episode list just to check. But I think you're absolutely right because. Yeah, last time we were here, we were chatting music, we were chatting thrice, which mm-hmm. the listeners can't see, but you're wearing a thrice t-shirt. And I like to think that that's, you're paying tribute to the podcast. Yeah, and not just what I wear on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah no, no, absolutely not. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, we're going, oh, wow. Yeah, you're going correct. Back. You are correct. Wow. Okay, that's kind of scary. Well, what's really funny about that, actually, is the last time that we spoke, um, you off air, I think, just randomly mentioned the show that we're here to talk about, and it lodged in my brain so much so that, like a year later, I think it was on Disney Plus, and I went, "Oh, that's the show Blake told me about. I'll give mm-hmm. it a watch." And then when it came around to doing this other series of sitcoms, I couldn't think of a better one to talk about, and hence why we're here. So we're here to talk Raising Hope. It's completely out of your wheelhouse, I think, as someone who's famous for doing music and guitar-related stuff. So, Blake, I'm just going to throw it over to you, my friend. What was your introduction to Raising Hope? You know, with anything lately, well, not lately, anything for the last, you know, eight years, if, if I didn't find it on my own, then it almost certainly came from my wife. Right. Um, <laughs> so she, she's, my, she's the number one pusher of other media in my life. Uh, nice pretty pretty much these days uh and so i don't remember how i feel like it was one of those things she just 
started watching kind of without me. And as I'd be walking in and out of the house, I'd catch little bits of it here and there and just be like, what, what is this? What is this? And yeah. eventually we needed a show that, you know, when you when you get kids and they, you know, we, we grew up, we, we didn't have kids for quite a while. And, you know, we were married for what, like seven or eight years before we had kids. So we were very much mm-hmm. used to just watching whatever we wanted. And it's like, oh, yeah, Scarface is playing in the background or, so, you know, something like <laughs> yeah. whatever we wanted to watch at any any time, you know. Yeah. And uh, as the and even when the kids were really young, that didn't really matter because they didn't understand what was going on. And mm-hmm. Pretty soon it gets to a point where it's like, okay. Hey, Maybe I shouldn't watch The Shining with my three-year-old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I, starting to understand. Uh, yeah, and get I, very I, frightened. Yeah, yeah. I told. I, I think. I think he was about three. Might have been two because Vincent talked really early. But I mm-hmm. told this story on my show a few times where I was. We were watching The Shining because it's one of our favorite shows, and she's not a horror fan. So the fact that she likes yeah. that movie is, I'm like, I'll take whatever I can get, you know, because yeah. I'm a huge horror fan. And so we were watching The Shining just for dinner one night and the scene where the elevators open up and like the the tsunami of blood just yeah. comes pouring out of them. And my son looks at me and he's just like, Dad, why is all that blood? And I thought, hmm, he's probably too young to be watching this right now. So it <laughs> <laughs> should have occurred to me well before turning it on, but it didn't. And uh, so we we paused it from there. But all that to say is we needed something that wouldn't be just that we wanted that was entertaining to us as adults, but wouldn't mm. just be too much for children to handle. I mean, obviously there's some off color things in there, but they largely go over 99% of kids heads. So it's not the craziest thing in the world. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it happened. It was just like, Oh, we'd be sitting down for dinner and we, we wanted to watch something. It'd be like, let's, let's watch raising hope. We, we think it's hilarious. And you know it's not too much for the kids to handle and it, it's just a and it's a really well-written show as it turns out it, it's not it, it's hard to strike that balance sometimes between being appealing for adults and kids without you know being dumb mm-hmm. uh in well it's dumb but dumb in the right ways <laughs> <laughs> yeah hard agree hard agree definitely yeah. and i think that's something that for the most part, a lot of sitcoms offer is that kind of family-friendly environment. Like as you say, there, yeah, there'll be some joke, uh, jokes for the adults, but for the most part, it's clear over the kids' heads. It's just mm-hmm. something that everyone can gather around and enjoy. And yeah, man, I gotta say, this is one that I, prior to you mentioning it, had never heard of. And then, like I said, just popped up on streaming, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a go. And mm-hmm absolutely fell in love with it i'm not gonna lie this is like very quickly gone to the top of my list as one of my favorite shows i think this will be a regular rewatch for sure yeah yeah it has it's i think what really stood out to us was not only how funny and how good of a show it was but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was very much like where where did this show go because we found it a little long after it was over yeah and so like i was like how did this not pop off i know it's kind of got the and it might even be the same writer now that i think about it but it's kind Mm -hmm. of got the my name is Earl type of vibe, which was a much yeah. bigger show. Um, but I, I don't know for some reason, maybe it's because we were new ish parents that it resonated with us a little bit more, um, which I guess we might want to explain the general gist of it for people who have no idea what we're talking about, yes, but it's, we it's, should. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically it's a family and they all live together. And the son is a, I would say he's probably a, early 20 something 
maybe, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. And then the parents had him very young. Um, and they're what in their late thirties, early forties, mm. maybe something like that. And so, and then the son has this, this daughter with a actual psychotic person that yep. gets taken away <laughs> to, to the, to the mental institution. And uh, he's left to try to raise this very young daughter with very young minded parents t- as his guide, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're kind of in a they're kind of the rednecks in the town. And they're, you know, he's like a pool cleaner and she does odd jobs. And uh, the main character works at a grocery store. And it's just a it's it's just a real odd cast of characters that they mm-hmm. they run into and they're just trying to keep this baby alive the whole time so <laughs> yeah yeah and it got say, it's one of those even in the first episode the pilot you, you kind of immediately get the tone like it's sort of a strange balance of something that's quite dark as you say when given the the origin of of hope and her mm-hmm. mom and that whole side of it you're like this could easily be like a gritty drama if you just yep. shaped it slightly but then the other side of it is yeah the wacky antics of the parents and you've also got their grandma hanging around who's kind of oh, lucid love- and senile at the same time <laughs> we'll, we'll get to this we'll get to her don't you worry but yeah it's sort of like this weird balance mm-hmm. but it really works and i think the central premise of it being as the title suggests about hope about the idea of these people like trying to create a better life for this baby that's now just in their lives and yeah i met same as you i was absolutely hooked as soon as that kicked in i thought okay i see the premise i think we should agree uh mention it up top because you you've hit the nail on the head it is created by the same guy that came up with my name is earl which makes so much sense in so many ways which i'm sure we'll get into Um, totally least of all the tone and the type of comedy and the characters in it it definitely has the same kind of vibe i think you're absolutely right Mm -hmm. yeah and maybe it just uh maybe it didn't catch on because to mm. fans of that show, I'm just hypothesizing here. Maybe mm-hmm. it felt like a kind of like an American dad to family guy. You know, it's like, well, mm. this is almost the same show, sort of, even though it's not. Mm. There's more of a difference there. But like tonally, the American dad and family guy are like almost interchangeable. If you've ever sat down to watch yeah. it, it's it's I have. It's yeah. Kind of, and American dad I always felt to me like, oh, why does this exist? Like It's <laughs> it's. It's basically the same same premise, except he works for the government uh, mm. <laughs> with the same kind of cut jokes and everything. I was like, ah, didn't really catch catch me the same way. I'm sure there's some great episodes out there, but um, mm. I I wonder if that was how when Raising Hope first came out, mm. maybe the maybe the audience felt like that, and that's why it didn't last super super long or have quite the uh, I don't know quite the following that My Name Is Earl did. Um, mm. that's that's the only theory I can come up with because it is just really well done in every, every way and for us I don't know about you but like mm-hmm. I, I saw Raising Hope before My Name is Earl so I didn't have that same mm. bias I guess so uh, I don't know it's just a theory I'm, I've always wondered why it didn't take off in a stronger way I, I agree with you and funny enough actually I'm the other way around so I watched My Name is Earl for the first time in lockdown really enjoyed it and had that question of why did this get cancelled? Same as everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. Same as the the cast and crew, as it turns out, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Which is wild, and I, I think that hopefully one day will be its own episode on this show because it's well well worthy of one. But um, yeah, I, I got to say, when I was watching this, 
I was like, oh, this feels like a spiritual successor. And when I realized it was Greg Garcia, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you just sort of get to like members of the cast of My Name is Earl popping up and basically playing alternate universe versions of themselves. <laughs> it was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. But dude, I loved it. The, those episodes, those tributes in particular, like I think there's one episode in particular, which is basically a My Name is Earl reunion within the show. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of that. I'm I'm a sucker for nostalgia and and Easter eggs and all that stuff. I'll I'll let so much slide. You know, I mean, (laughs) not to go too off tangent, but like I'm currently watching Ahsoka and when there's references to like Clone Wars and Rebels stuff that I as a nerd have seen, Mm -hmm. you can bet I'm like sat there glued to the screen going like, this is the greatest television I've ever seen. It isn't. But I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, all the dots are connecting. So when I'm watching Raising Hope and that's happening, yeah, I was just like, this is incredible. Um, you know, that, plus they layer it in with a reference to um, Almost Famous. I was like, this is, yeah, this is just brilliant. And I had the same question as you. I was like, why was this not more popular? This is so mm-hmm. clever. This is so brilliant. And it's paying tribute to um, something that, yeah, was insanely popular for the longest time and people were really upset that it got cancelled. So you're like, I don't see why this as like a spiritual successor wasn't more beloved. I, I'm with you on that one. I, d- I don't know, maybe, yeah, people thought it was like discount My Name is Earl in some maybe, way. Maybe, and now I'm curious, I want to look something up real quick just because we're talking about it because mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I actually am not sure. I have a I have an estimate in my brain, uh-huh. but I don't remember when this aired exactly. I got it here for you. 2010 oh, you to 2014, yeah. Which is exactly what it felt like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, by the way, just because I was Googling that, mm-hmm. uh, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we're not alone in the, yeah. the love for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on IMDb and it's like 8.4 or, or something. It's like, it's very highly rated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, even after watching the show, I kind of did a little scattering on the internet and... Not that you can trust everybody's opinion on the internet, you know, except us, obviously, Blake. Of course, you know, of course, yeah. of course. But, yeah. you know, generally speaking, it was very popular, very beloved. A, a lot of the comments and, and reviews and things I saw were just glowing. And I kind of felt the same as you. I was like, yeah, why did this not just keep going? But at the same time, I mean, 88 episodes, that's not a bad innings, is it, for a show? It's not. To be fair. No, that's, that's pretty good, especially for a network TV. Right. And... Where I was going with the time question when uh-huh. I was trying to th- think about it. that's right around the time you got to think right smack dab in the era where TV was mm-hmm. really like not sure what was going on with itself as, as a whole mm. because that's right when streaming really started not 2010 so much but certainly by 2014 that was like kind of the beat there's still network television shows don't get me wrong but sort of yeah. the beginning of the end of yeah network tv as we as we know it you know right yeah. then in 2014 is when that was really really shifting uh wow that was a year before i started the podcast interesting hey, there you go. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah it's uh I, I and that probably had something to do with it right they're tightening budgets you know not that this show was probably insanely expensive to make by mm. comparison to 24 or lost or something but mm. it, it i'm sure they were just like ah they were just crunching the numbers and it doesn't ultimately matter at the network levels what the people love and what they don't. It's what do the numbers say? Yeah. And and who's tuning in 
who who can we sell these these advertising minutes to? You know, and if yeah. not as many people are tuning in to Raising Hope as Law and Order, then it's it's what's going to get the act. I don't even know if those are on the same network. I was just trying to compare <laughs> audiences. Yeah, talking to someone from the UK, I'd have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, yeah, so I wonder if that had something to do with it. Of course, you guys mm. have a different set, setup over there, right? With the BBC and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird one because it's licensed payer funded. So who knows who decides what's working and what's not. And you do get some advertising. Like we've got some in, some channels that do a lot of that here. Um, but even then, like I, the closest I can think to of that is on streaming services, like all of these channels, like BBC has one, um, Channel 4, it's quite a popular one, but they mm-hmm. all have advertising within their streaming services. Okay. So I, I don't know how much that dictates the decisions they make in terms of what gets made and what's not. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. To be honest with you, Blake, I haven't really paid attention to terrestrial television for years because I've just kind of been on the streaming game now so it's neither have i yeah yeah but i'm fascinated though the fact that it's something that comes up a lot when we talk sitcoms on this show of just how the streaming model like picks things up and you know something like a previous episode the office like the u.s office you know naturally would have tailed off right towards the latter seasons and yeah that's a whole story there Mm -hmm. and then it moves to netflix and it's like one of the most streamed shows ever, right? Yeah. And it's sort of this idea, and and another sitcoms get picked up. Like we, I just did an episode on the rest of development and how that kind of got resurrected by Netflix. Another it, favorite of mine. Yeah. Yeah, kind of you know mixed degrees. We talked about it, but mm. it was just interesting. You're looking at how streaming sort of sees the value of these shows, right? Because there's something comforting and nice about watching sitcoms, and it does feel like nowadays that you know that they're a really nice home for mm-hmm. sitcoms streaming platform but obviously the the double-edged sword of that is uh, and as we've seen recently i don't know if you've paid much attention to like what's going on in hollywood at the minute with the writers strikes and all of this oh, yeah. craziness yeah definitely stream streamers are uh very cagey about their their figures and like how <laughs> yeah. many people are actually <laughs> watching shows so you kind of wonder if something like Raising Hope had got picked up, let's say, by Netflix for argument's sake. It's like, would it be any safer than when it was on network television? You have no idea, right? Because you could just say, well, it's always got a home. People are going to watch it, but they're not going to be as honest about what the numbers are doing. And therefore, would they continue it? it who knows? Which one is from NBC? Oh, that's for canceling My Name is Earl! Well, and that that leads to a whole, which is a really fun topic, sort of mm-hmm. off the topic, I guess. But um, go for it. It's it's interesting to see what's going on with the writers' strike. Like on the surface of it, I understand mm. why a lot of normal people like ourselves don't care that much. It's like it mm. without digging into it a little bit more. It just sounds like because even the the media around it is like Hollywood's on strike and. I yeah. think generally speaking, we all pretty much feel like Hollywood's super out of touch and mm-hmm. like, why do, why do we care if a bunch of rich people are on strike? That's not yeah. really what's going on, though. That's what it looks no. like, because that's who they feature out on the picket line or are these wealthy, you know, well-known celebrities, because that's who's mm-hmm. going to get the most clicks for those media outlets, which is a whole different uh, topic of conversation in and of itself. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the general people working there just have regular jobs. 
They're just yeah. normal, you know, mi- very, very middle, sometimes below middle class wage people. And mm-hmm. that's what it's really about. It's not about the big mm-hmm. celebrities. It's not about, you know, the guys from the office that they've been yeah. featuring. It's not about any of that. And so with the streamers being a bit unclear with the mm. downloads see it can go both ways right they don't want to make themselves seem bigger than they are or they're gonna have to pay more under yeah. what these developing rules but they also don't want to make themselves seem too small or everyone will be like well why don't i just put it on youtube then you yeah. know <laughs> yeah yeah it, that's, so that's it a goes, good point mm. it, it goes both ways right and i and i know some some people in the that are in the film industry at the lower ends of things. And they're trying to, they're working on some pretty ambitious projects. And that's literally the, the question is like, where is this going to end up? That's one of the first things they end up asking themselves. They're like, okay, I have this great idea. Mm-hmm. I've got all these people. We've got the stuff. We can do this. What are we going to do with it when it's done? Mm. Like, do we cross our fingers and hope that Netflix buys, buys it from us? Mm. Do we self promote it and try kind of release it as our own thing on YouTube and, and and that's its own extreme challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like how do we want? What do we want to do with it when it's done? How do we want to get it in front of the the most amount of people? Because uh, Hollywood, unlike the music industry now, I mean, the music industry still has some of this, but it's very mm-hmm. gated. You know, yeah. you there's a there's a lot of like, you got to know the guy, mm-hmm. you got to get in the right places with the right people to get things shoved through and you might work on something for five years and it ends up being the greatest thing you've ever made. And it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere because yep. that's the guy who paid for it decided that he didn't like it or it didn't fit his mm. schedule or, or it's whatever. Tax yeah. Or it's a tax write off or whatever, any mm. number of reasons. Mm. Um, and then you're back to the drawing board. So it's, it's a very weird industry. The music industry is also that way to a degree, but yeah. because of things like distro kid and, uh, TuneCore and all these other places like getting distributed to the places where people are currently listening is easier than mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and you can, you could feasibly, it's very challenging, but you can post on social media and build a following and have an audience with nobody telling you that you can't. Now it, that's its own challenge. Of course, I'm not trying to make it sound easier than it actually is, but mm-hmm. it is doable. And we've seen examples of it. Hollywood, you, you almost never see that. No, like, it, it it I'm sure there will be stories trickling out, but it is it's rare to see, oh, this person got big for their short films on social media and now is directing the next Iron Man. Like that doesn't really happen. No. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. Um yeah, it's I I would encourage anyone listening, if you've not thought about this whole industry and what's going on, like yeah change that absolutely change that like do yourself a favor and and go and look into it because as blake says is you you absolutely spot on my friend it's not just hollywood elites rich people asking for more millions it's it's everybody else around that big famous actor whose job is to make them look good you know whether it's lights whether it's writing whether it's camera crew whatever all these people are affected and it's something that, again, I, I touch upon every time we talk about a sitcom is this idea of making a, a sort of crew like a family. And I'm always fascinated when I listen to behind the scenes things, right, of people who are on these shows talking about their experience and just how important that is. Like even down to like the catering guy, you know, like they, they get on, they know their families, you know, they everyone's there to help them 
have the best experience and do the best at their job. So these people are really important, you know, and I always, I keep banging this drum, like almost every episode. I believe that when you are passionate about the thing you're making and when everybody's getting on and treating each other well and feels like they're being treated fairly, you will get the best results. And to kind of circle it back around, I, I get the impression that, you know, when you look at sort of who's involved with the show, you can probably guarantee there'll be a lot of crossover with the crew and the staff and people that would have worked on perhaps My Name Is Earl and things like that, and they're coming here. Mm-hmm. And the end results speak for themselves because they all work hard and they produce something that's truly, really great. And as you say, the unfortunate thing there is you're at the mercy of studio heads and people that, you know, with all due respect to them, have no idea what this side of you know, right. the industry is like they fair enough they understand the business they understand how to run things and that you shouldn't discredit that but th- i don't think they always appreciate the art you know and the craft and what's going into it and how it makes people feel as you say it could just be a bit of a, a numbers game sometimes and you're kind of like ah, i don't know I, I remember you blake i always feel like it's a really callous and cold way to look at things especially when it comes to anything creative i just think sometimes you just got to give people a chance let it find its audience it's really difficult i can i can definitely see both sides you know oh same yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a, a thing where if you don't look out for the bottom line and and i've i've mm. talked about this ad nauseum on my own shows but if you don't mm. look out for the bottom line and pay attention to your business you're not going to be able to be creative in the ways yeah. that you want for very long, you know, or at least not be doing it full time. You right. not a lot of artists are guilty of wanting to ignore that. I think it's it's not sexy, it's not romantic to think about, mm-hmm. you know, profit and loss uh no. on your on your business. But if you don't think about those things and you don't take very close attention to them as an artist, the odds of you being able to be an artist full time for a long time is slim mm-hmm. to none. The, right. the people who do get to do these kinds of things long term are the people who do pay very close attention to their business. Mm. Uh, and, and if you go back and again, I reference the music industry a lot because it's where I'm from. But if mm. you go back and, and hear all the artists that talk about getting screwed by so, so and so, and it generally comes down to a problem with their contract that they didn't understand. Yeah. And and that's I don't want to say it's their fault. But it, it is up to them to try to understand it or get somebody in their corner who does and not just see, oh, millions of dollars. Cool. <laughs> do you actually get those millions of dollars or yeah. do you owe them back, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So this is kind of a, a longer rant on, on no, art, artists needing to have their, their books a little bit more tightened up. And, and mm. I can be guilty of this as well. I'm not trying to say that I'm immune to that, imp- that impulse to like or compulsion mm. to like ignore that stuff. I have to focus on it. Yeah. So, but all that to say is you do need both. It, it really yeah. does take, you know, we don't, we don't get Christopher Nolan without big budgets. Mm. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. And even then there's got to be a return. There's got to be something. And yeah, I just, I do find it wild though, even when there is a return that again, like well, I'll probably get to it when I do the mind of Zero episode, whenever that is that, yeah, it could still be wild that even when things are popping off and are doing presumably what they need to do, it's still not safe. I find that kind of wild. But um, again, all that to sort of bring it back around to, to this, it's like, I would again encourage anyone who's listening, if you're especially if you're a fan of that show, give this one a go because yes. it will be right in your wheelhouse. Like I said, personally, I, I just saw the, 
the sort of similarity straight away and was like, oh yeah, I'm going to feel very comfortable watching this. And it is incredible. And what I like to do kind of Blake on, on these episodes is typically I like to sort of go through the cast, the characters, some of the main ones and just kind of, you know, go from there. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's nowhere better to start than with the main man himself, Jimmy Chance, played by one Lucas Neff. I don't know if Lucas has done a lot in the industry, actually. I remember looking this up at the time. You I know, I'm not... this has definitely been his big thing. I, I, it's definitely his big thing. He's... Mm-hmm. Um, I could see it being difficult to break out of that typecast, you know, as the yeah. goofy kind of, uh, you know, goofy, likable 20-something guy that's just trying to make it. You know, that's a... Yeah. That's kind of where he landed with this role, and I could see it being a challenging thing to to break out of. Because I, I guarantee you, if I saw him in some like gritty detective movie, I would only mm. hear Jimmy Chance in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but then you say that, and then I I immediately think Brian Cranston. You know, um, fair enough. Yeah, you know, yeah. I immediately mm. think oh. Oh wow! I mean, I, Matthew I, McConaughey I'm, I'm blank- is a Matthew great McConaughey example. is another one. Yeah. I was blanking mm-hmm. on the guy that plays Saul Goodman. I should know that. I'm going to enter that in here. It's Bob Odenkirk, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just guys like that who essentially just yeah, like you said, they're, they're known for one thing for a long, long time, and then they come back. So you never know. Lucas maybe in like another five, ten years might just come back and surprise us all with like a really gritty HBO drama and we're all like whoa sign me up I'd be here for it I'd definitely watch if I if I saw him cast as anything it would be a I'm like oh cool can't wait to see what he does I'd be yeah, excited yeah, yeah. about it so absolutely but yeah he's he's very much a, a guy who's sort of he's trying to do the best he can but he's he's sort of he he just finds himself a sometimes he makes bad decisions but also sometimes mm. he just has a kind of just bad luck <laughs> true very true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something that I love about him. He's he, he he's very good at playing that like naive kind of character. That's I think that helps him in his likability, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah, like, he's never got bad intentions. You say he's just got bad luck. He just kind of yeah. stumbles into these things. Yeah, exactly. I don't I think he I don't think he intended for his the the mother of his child. Well, he didn't intend to have a child, but I don't think yeah. he intended for the mother of his child to be a psychotic wanted woman um, no but she was you know so she, exactly but it's kind of like you know in fairness to him when he's landed with this baby he steps up you know and that's yes. like that's the whole point of the series is it's him trying really hard to figure out how to be a good parent and like i do love that like from the off that's his main goal you mm-hmm. know like and like whatever else happens in the show he he never seems to lose sight of that he's always like no no what's best for hope and I think that kind of keeps him grounded and and certainly keeps us as an audience on his side for the whole journey. A hundred percent. Yeah. Every single problem. In fact, he's always the one that comes into the situation. So say he's at work or whatever and something crazy happens. He's always the one that comes in and he's like, where's hope? And there'll be, you know, pancake batter hanging from the ceiling or whatever, you know, whatever kind of scenario he happened to run into (laughs) or where his parents have done something crazy. He's always the one that's like, "Where's hope? What do you? What's mm. going on? Why do? Why do you not have my baby?" Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. And I kind of, I also like that he goes through something that, and I, I can't speak to this, Blake, because I'm not a parent, but I'd love to hear your insights here. And I, because I hear this a lot from people that become parents, mm-hmm. I feel like he gains a whole level of appreciation for what his parents have done for him because the way they're set up at the beginning. 
they're kind of sort of i guess to use a bit of a common slang and they're kind of like trailer trash right they're kind of that yeah. sort of you know they sort of look down upon and they, they come across as a bit silly and a bit dumb and inconsiderate and all these things but like you very quickly through his perspective of now having a child realize oh actually they're just doing the best that they can and that's a lovely thing to watch as well as him get closer to his parents because he gains a whole new appreciation for what they went through again i'm a guy i'm 29 don't have any kids i can't speak to this so i'm gonna throw it over to you what you think what do you think <laughs> yeah i i mean i probably did a pretty terrible job at showing it growing up but i i feel like i <laughs> was was rather appreciative of my parents you know when it would become yeah. like crystal clear there would be you know moments where i was being terrible and dad would be like well you can go be terrible somewhere else if you'd like because uh, you're not, you're not going to do it here. And it be that like really, I think a lot of kids don't fully grasp what that means. But for some yeah. reason, that immediately clicked for me as a teenager. I was going, looking at, oh, uh, actually, I've got it. You didn't have a Draquois Noir uh, <laughs> spate in your life. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I kept it just right on the edge there of, yeah. of, of going that far. But, uh, oh man, that was a good reference. Thank you for that. Oh, no worries. <laughs> watch, the, watch the show, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite gags in the whole show, but yeah, go on. <laughs> it's very relatable to people in yeah. the ballpark of our age, I think. Absolutely, yeah. He's awake. Somebody find out what he wants for breakfast. And five years ago, well, let's just say I was going through a phase. Hey, buddy. Get out! Ah! Big birthday tomorrow, huh? 18 years old. You excited? I have a surprise for you. Oh. What'd you get for him, Mama? Did you get something cool we all can use, like a trampoline or a mini trampoline or something else we could all bounce on? It's a surprise. Did you hear that? Mama's got a surprise for you, Jimmy. You know that's not my name. If you want to address me, you must call me Drakkar Noir. Like the men's perfume, right? It means black dragon ship. So, so all that to say is, like, I, I always did have an, maybe more of an appreciation than your average teenager for some reason. I don't know why. It's not like mm. I had any better brain than your average teenager. But uh, all that said, when I had kids, I realized it's like all the cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah. Like every every p bit of it. I was like, I've never loved any anything or anyone more than this. In fact, I didn't even know I had the capacity to have this much love in my in my soul for somebody else. You know, I had, I, yeah. I love my wife, but I know she feels the same way. Like, I don't, it just opens you up in a, in a way that I, I did not even know was possible. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that made me appreciate even more than I already did what my parents did because mm. anybody who can look back at their childhood and say they had a decent childhood, uh, their parents gave up a lot in some capacity to make mm. that happen. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that's that's the theme that this show picks up on quite nicely. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you say it's sort of when you kind of it's the flashbacks, man. The flashbacks, I think, are brilliant. They're so much fun. In any other show, you think you, you think this is getting a bit old now, but it's really lovely, kind of seeing the parallels of 
yeah of jimmy's journey and then his parents virginia and burton like what they went through being like mm-hmm. as you said at the start like kind of basically teenagers with a, a kid and all the sacrifices they had to make along the way and it's i think it's a lovely mechanism in the writing that kind of draws all of them closer together because they're like okay we're going to go on this journey again but there's like that level of appreciation that develops i think it's really really sweet yeah and i think jimmy just develops that more and more as the show yeah. goes on you know mm-hmm. he he realizes like there's just little bits here and there he's when he's frustrated with his parents he'll mm-hmm. remember something or he'll he'll think back like i can't believe they would do this and then you, he'll flashback mm-hmm. to something and be like oh you know the uh, the flashbacks mm. are really well done in it, and they actually drive the story forward, and they yes. drive the character development forward in a way mm. that doesn't feel like a crutch. A- absolutely, I was going to say, yeah, mm. you're right. It, it, again, it could be very tedious and frustrating in any other show, but it's it's a really well done and and well cast as well. Like the younger versions of themselves are always yeah. really fun to watch. <laughs> they are, yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of, I, I've got sort of here in my list. Um, Martha Plimpton as Virginia, the mum, is kind of up next, and I, again, and similar to Lucas, like hasn't done loads. Like I didn't recognise it, but she's phenomenal. I gotta say, she's so role, good. Like, just she's so so good. She's really funny, really sweet, and like, yeah, like the the running gag of her like mispronouncing things all the time. Oh my goodness, never gets old. It's it, every time I watch. I just watched her. Uh, a, like a three and a half minute YouTube clip the other day of just all the things she says wrong and I'm yeah, just dying yeah. laughing the whole time. <laughs> I've got the same clip ready to go, don't you worry. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's incredible. Nice. But yeah, it's again, it's another one of like every single time it's hilarious. And a lot of that obviously is down to her delivery of that. Yes, totally. I have no idea what you're talking about and I resent the implanation. And again, yeah, kind of like, it's interesting. I don't know about you. I felt like her in the pilot, she comes across a lot meaner and there's a whole thing about her smoking and all and it kind of like oh i, I my initial thought was kind of like oh i don't know am i gonna warm to this character but kind of by the end of the second episode they sort of i think they recognize quite quickly how to get away from that and lean into her talents and make her a lot more likable because she's a very likable actress so you kind of like it makes sense to lean into that yeah, I mean, kind of similarly, when I watched the pilot, I, I thought that she might end up being kind of a cliched character that wouldn't yeah. be that fun, you know, just sort of a white trash chain smoking, like whatever scumbag yeah. character that I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, the show was funny enough that it wasn't going to bother me if that's what she ended up being. But mm-hmm. but the direction they ended up taking her was so much better and yeah. so much more thought out and so much more of a full picture of a person than what yes. you kind of get in that pilot uh to the point where like i told <laughs> my wife knows this she doesn't care it's like i'm kind of starting to get a crush on virginia i'm not gonna lie like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I can see that again yeah, yeah, she's yeah, really yeah. likable really sweet like she's a good mum. there's a whole mm-hmm. thing um episode i mean spoilers obviously we get further into the series and like sabrina comes into the fold and there's like a whole arc with her you know, with those two and the fact that like Sabrina's got a distant mum and then mm-hmm. Virginia just kind of instinctively like picks up the slack and there's like a really sweet moment I remember in an episode where they were just sort of sat together chatting and she kind of is like, Sabrina's like, no, you're, you're really good. You're like just naturally really caring and kind and you know, you're already like a better mum than mine ever was just mm-hmm. from being who you are. And it's like lovely moments like that they kind of sprinkle in that I thought were really effective. 
really, yeah. really sweet. Hey. Hey. I want you to have this. No. That's yours. Hope made it for you. Jimmy wants you to have it. I was just being crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm going to keep the necklace that Hope made. Because this one is one that I made for you. Happy Mother's Day. That's very sweet. But it's not Mother-in-Law's Day. It's Mother's Day. You should give that to your mother. Over the last few years, you have been more of a mother to me than my mother ever was. I want you to have this. I see what you're doing, and it's very sweet, but... What's my favorite color? Uh, what is it? Orange. Yeah, they put in those, those like, heartfelt moments in mm. amongst... It's, it's a comedy. That's what it yeah. is, first and foremost. But they put those moments in in a way that's really, really impactful and mm. makes you think about just people in your lives that maybe have yeah. some parallels, you know? And uh, uh, it's a, just another, another good example of the clever writing in the show, I think. Absolutely. And, um, and, like, and her relationship with Bert, like th them as a couple, genuinely up there now is like one of my favorite on-screen couples. Like their chemistry oh, yeah. is just insane. Like it's so... And it's just really sweet. I guess the only way I could describe it, just watching them, like me and my wife will watch the show and I'm just like, they're adorable. Like they're such mm -hmm. a cute couple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just the way they bounce off each other. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, the chemistry there with the whole cast is very apparent, but especially yes. between them two. Yeah, because you, you totally buy them as like these sort of teenage lovebirds. And like you said, when we meet them, they're kind of in their late 30s going into their 40s. And that, that energy is still there between them. And I think that's mm -hmm. just really again really sweet and really amazing and and hats off to her and of course to garrett uh dillahunt as bert just like bouncing off each other in that way you know it makes me wonder and i, I there's no way for us to really know but mm. some of their scenes in particular feel ad-libbed in a good mm. way it yeah. feels maybe it's not maybe it's just the writings that that on point but sometimes mm. when they're going back and forth it feels like they're just kind of going at it yeah yeah and, I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels that way. And I think that, again, just kind of speaks to the chemistry. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it, it, exactly that. It feels like it just feels like you're watching a real couple just on screen, like mm -hmm. just the way they bounce off each other. And I kind of love that, again, both of them absolutely love each other, like the way they're played and written. It, it's you can't deny like again, you, you could come at that kind of character, right? As like, oh, they were teenagers. They made a mistake. Like, you know, let's face it, as teenagers, we've all been in love with people that were not good for us. Um, <laughs> you know, and your tastes change. But it's like them, you're just like, oh, no, they are meant to be. They are 100% the right person for the other person. Like, there's just no doubt. And as you say, the way they go back and forth and it, it's, yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Um, and their names, too. I, for some yeah. reason, just love their, their names, Bert and Virginia. That just sounds... <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah it does you're right it does it totally does it just the way they bounce yeah the way that works mm -hmm. together you're you're 100 right mm -hmm. i don't know why it just it fits it really fits and um and speaking of garrett i mean again just as his own character hilarious i love i like it speaking of the flashbacks i love him with his long mane 
Like oh, every time it. we go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, so I, good. I don't know about you. I feel like it suits him. When I'm watching it, I'm like, I could see this guy pulling this off just normally. <laughs> yeah, just going on. Yeah. Maybe that's very the, you know, Gen Z 2023 of us to say a mullet's <laughs> back in style. But uh I, I saw I saw a like 10-year-old with an impressive mullet yesterday at the store. Yeah. I was going like, okay, all right, rocket bait, man. Like, go for it. Like you yeah. do you. <laughs> I could never pull that off. But he does. Uh, Garrett pulls it off very mm. nicely. One thing, one, and this isn't really a criticism, and it sound, it's going to sound weird mm. coming from me as somebody who like likes lifting weights and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. I always one thing that didn't fit. If I was going to make a criticism, and I mm-hmm. would never suggest that he doesn't do this, but it's like that dude's in great shape, and it almost doesn't fit his character. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, like the dude's buff. Like he's not like like. Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilder like that kind of buff but he's in great he's in phenomenal shape and condition mm. and I'm like I don't know if that guy is gonna be in that great a condition if yeah. he's really that character but I don't know I don't know I, that was one if I had a criticism that and it's a really stupid one admittedly I was that's that's one thing I didn't think like fit in yeah with the with everybody else I feel like was just about perfect and he is perfect in the way he responds his chemistry with uh with martha and everything i think is brilliant but i was i always did think i was like i never but he's clearly in, he's clearly jacked when is he working out because <laughs> pool boys don't yeah. don't get that kind of workout you know <laughs> i completely agree as yeah. as a gym goer myself yeah i i yeah felt the same way watching it mm. it's kind of like mm-hmm. okay yeah okay he works a physical job i also work a physical job so i, I get how that stops you from you know perhaps gaining a bit more than you want but i same as you i was like yeah but when's he finding time to do crunches and lift yeah. it's like yeah Bench he's, just, he's just wandering around the house drinking beer and being stupid like it's, he's not got time for that <laughs> no no but uh hey you know i would never ever say that he shouldn't do that as a, no, as a personal no, no. choice not at all and uh, and the guy's <laughs> genuinely hilarious okay a, a nice sort of um similarity to him and the way that Lucas plays Jimmy's kind of naive, wide-eyed optimism, you can see mm-hmm. like, oh, that's where he gets it from. Like they they sort of layer that in quite nicely. If there's the amount of times Bert will just say something and just says it with like complete wide-eyed innocence, that you're just like, oh, bless, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, Bert, oh, Bert, and then, yeah, exactly. And they do a good job too of uh, making him feel like a blood relative to Jimmy because he's supposed to be, obviously, but he. He very, I very much buy that he's his dad. Like I a hundred percent, I don't have any question in my mind whether that's his father or not, because the way they, they act like each other sometimes, like you said, that sometimes that innocence is both there. They both are just like, what? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that, it's that mirroring that you're like, ah, there it is. There mm-hmm. it is. To bring their barter system to the next level, my parents went down to Lee's coffee shop and had him print up hundreds of Burt Box. There's plenty to go around. Trust me, this will make everything easier. Well, I'm off to my Manny Petty. Can you spot me a few Burt Bucks? No. I spent my last ones on a crochet lesson from old lady Stevens so I can make this toilet seat cozy. Ooh, that's gonna be great in winter. But if you're out of Burt Bucks and I'm out of Burt Bucks, then we got a problem. What if we just print ourselves some extra bird bucks? I mean, that's good for everyone, because the more we spend, the more everyone else will have to spend. I'm no Warren Buffet. 
But I bet that's just the thing to stimulate our bartering economy. But at the same time, Jimmy does feel a bit more with it than Bert most of the time. Like a little more, uh, a little more aware of the general general scenario where Bert seems to be a little bit, a little bit more in outer space. And it's uh, yes, it's nice though. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, like absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, he's he's very much like again. It's part of the whole growing up thing, like we said with Jimmy. I think that's the other side of it is he's often the catalyst for when he realizes, like, oh, you should have been more responsible. You should have mm-hmm. done this. And again, you could say that that could be quite like a negative tone, you know, to bring, but it's, it, it isn't really because at the end of the day, he always learns his lesson. Yep. And, that, and that's again, same as, as we said with, with Virginia, like, you know, giving up smoking quite early on. It's like they, they, all the characters grow and Bert definitely does. And like one sort of thing I thought was quite interesting in his arc is I feel like he learns to believe in himself a bit more. You know, by mm-hmm. the end of end of the series, he's a lot more confident and not in an arrogant way at all. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think so, and I I think that's probably the result of having learned a lot of uh, lessons he probably should have learned on the first go round with a child. Yes, but uh, better better late than never. Yeah, I think he learned a lot of that stuff with with raising hope mm-hmm. uh, and being a part of that and having other perspectives thrown at him and just being older and wise enough to realize that oh. You're right. I I did kind of screw it up a little bit the first time. Maybe I need to do this slightly differently or or yeah. you know. I think even having Jimmy point some of these things out to him, not in a yeah. mean way, but when he would do something dumb, yeah. The other characters in the show would let him know. And yeah. uh and he was more receptive to that than I get a vibe that he probably was when he had the the magnificent mane of hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's the <laughs> definitely true um and speaking of someone else in the household i just we mentioned it earlier for me probably now one of my favorite characters in any show ever the incredible mormore played by cloris leachman oh so incredible (sighs) just (laughs) absolutely phenomenal i don't i i never heard of her prior (laughs) to this either so it was just what a delight what an absolute delight Oh, Mama is uh, absolutely, absolutely a brilliant character. Uh, I kind of love that we never fully know the backstory, but she has like mm. clearly like she's probably killed someone. You know, it's like a, <laughs> <laughs> like she's yeah for for the uh, you know for the listeners she's she's senile in this in this uh, show for the most part. She does she generally doesn't generally speaking doesn't know where she's at. But she has flashes where she comes back to yeah. reality. And sometimes that reality is not the current reality. Sometimes that is a yeah. reality from long ago. Mm. And she's in a, a scenario that you would never expect an old lady like that to. Yeah. Uh, to Because she clearly thinks she's in doing some sort of drug deal or mm. uh, in some other sort of sketchy scenario where you're like, Mama, what are you talking about? She's so, so yeah. hilarious. She's incredible. And just like it's one of those performances that I just think credit to, to Cloris Leachman. I think sadly she passed away not that long ago, mm-hmm. um, but she's incredible. And like clearly just game for anything. Like you gather that the writers must've just had so much fun coming up with so many bizarre scenarios for her to just be involved <laughs> oh, yes. with or, or like really disturbing or hilarious things for her to say. 
And she was clearly just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll uh-huh. say anything. I'll do anything. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and just as a result, just is constantly stealing the scene in like every episode. She'll, I, I'm always like waiting for her to come into the room and do something every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Or even when she doesn't, you know, she'll just come yeah. by and she'll, she'll, she didn't do anything crazy. She just said something that makes yeah. no sense in the context of what you're watching, but it's just so funny. It's <laughs> so, so off the wall. She's she is. She's one of the best characters. And uh, I'm really glad they thought to to dream her up because Mm. she could have easily. As far as the most of the story for the whole arc of the show goes, she could have been not in it and the the story wouldn't have changed that much. But the level of enjoyment of the journey for all these characters, at, at least as viewers, would have been way lower without Mama. Like she's not, she, it's hard to, hard to say, like she's not a, she's not a main character for sure, but no. she, but she is important in, in really like driving most or a large chunk of the humor of yes. the show. Um, not so much the main storyline, but just, she just makes everything funnier and better in every scene she's in. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there are quite a few scenarios that, or episodes that just start with her doing something just off the wall and then that's, <laughs> that's that, that's it for the rest of the episode the characters are then left picking up the pieces yes and as you say it's like without that it wouldn't have worked and mm-hmm. fair play to them as you say for utilizing this actress because she's just so good like just again the delivery of some of the stuff i'll have to put in some more clips but the amount of times i was watching the series with my wife and she would say something and i would just start crying with laughter like it would just mm-hmm. hit me so hard and i thought fair play to her like just like you said, hats off to the writers for recognizing the talent. Mm-hmm. And fair play to Cloris for just going for it. Like, yeah, I'm game. Yeah. Whatever, let's yeah. do it. She just crushed it. It was actually one of the things about watching this show that we probably should like warn everyone about. Oh, you yeah. got to be careful eating or drinking while watching this show because things oh, yeah. will pop out and out of nowhere. Usually, Mama, yeah. and and you'll do a spit take. Like yes. I have almost spit my drink out. I don't know how many times. Watching, I got, like I got to be careful while watching this show because yeah. she'll come out of nowhere, say something crazy, and I'll want to laugh. So mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, beware. Don't don't have any sensitive electronics near you if you're going to be <laughs> <laughs> having a beverage. Hard agree. Hard yeah. agree. I'm waiting for the spin cycle. I think this is the first time I've ever seen your meat whistle, Bert. I believe that's true. Not a fan. And again, she kind of gets similar to the rest of them. I think some uh, some lighthearted moments, you know, and, and stuff where she's she's quite sweet and quite nice and, you know, tries to help, particularly tries to help Virginia along because mm-hmm. you get the impression that she's obviously really annoyed at the whole situation and you know, they're, they're living in her house. Like the house they're in is technically owned by Mormore, but it's that thing of like, because she's in and out of these lucid states, as you say, they can kind of get away with just getting by in there. And but they look after her, and she looks after them, and it's it's never like a, you know, that kind of relationship where they're taking advantage. Right. Yeah. I mean, she needs them to be there at the yeah. same time. Like they need to be there. She needs them to be there. It kind of works out for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just remembering an episode where they send her to a, a nursing home, and just how disastrous that goes. And there's, <laughs> there's stuff like that that they just slip in that. Yeah, it's hilarious and brilliant, but it sort of drives home the point, as you just said, they need each other, really. Yeah, they do. I mean, I guess it's worth noting, too, while we're mm. talking about 
if we if we have to remind everybody this is a network tv show they're mm-hmm. cramming all this in in 22 minutes oh like, yeah 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 it's there's so much happening it's this show each episode could easily have been stretched out to an hour and it wouldn't get boring but no. they're they managed to tell a cohesive story that you enjoy in 22 minutes every Absolutely. single time it's it's really really impressive yeah it definitely sits in that kind of golden era of um of sitcoms being able to do that um funny enough again this is part of the discussion that i would have had very recently about arrested development when that came back in and other shows were like they'll put on the longer versions and sometimes you're kind of like eh, you know like you could probably mm-hmm. cut this whereas as you say this is very much like no no we've got to put the best stuff in it and tell a story go and just mm-hmm. fit it in and that constraint works and yeah you're absolutely right they knock it out of the park with these guys every single time um move, it's moving slightly on i guess from the family well she becomes part of the family i've mentioned it already Sabrina, played by Shannon Woodward. I recognized her, I must admit, when I first saw it. I was like, I'm sure I've seen her on other TV shows or things in the, in the past, but... Same. I wasn't sure if I seen, saw her in a commercial or something. Like, yeah. I was like, I've definitely seen this face before. Yeah, so. but her is like a love interest for Jimmy. It's the kind of stereotypical thing, right, in sitcoms to have the will-they-won't-they they type romance. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like done very well in this i gotta say i enjoyed the journey i enjoyed the ebb and flow of their relationship and how it goes i mean what did you think i when i first started watching i thought it was going to be a firm won't they i figured she was going to be not interested the whole time and the trope was going to be Mm. that jimmy was constantly pining for this woman that was never going to return his affections right but uh you know it it takes a different turn and i mean obviously we've we've hinted at it already enough that people get the idea so and sorry, the show's been uh, over for a long time. So yeah, um, if you've made it this far, <laughs> I'm sure you get the idea. Uh, but they they do end up getting together, and it it was very unexpected for me when it happened. And yeah, they, I agree. And and so it, mm. and it actually changed. It so drastically changed the dynamic. And then Sabrina got to more develop as a character instead of like, yes. oh, she's just the cute girl. Mm. with that has some funny lines here and there you get to see like kind of the dark side of sabrina come out in a good mm-hmm. in a good way it's a good dark side but it's a, a dark side nonetheless and like you get to see her more fleshed out as a full character too and see what she's all about versus just being the you know kind of uh, almost to this isn't entirely true but almost the manic pixie dream girl type of thing a little bit mm. uh she's a little bit of that in the beginning uh, but uh, a little less manic than maybe the the stereotypical version of that. But yeah. um, but she kind of it does like he does like he is like oh Sabrina like there's little yeah. clips of him here and there really just longing for her, and mm. uh, she becomes so much more than that, which was yes. really cool to see because a lot of shows that's just all that's the end of it that's all that person ever ends up being is is a love interest and there's she's. N- she could have easily been no more than just Jimmy's girlfriend. And yeah, she's so much more important and so much funnier and so much more interesting of, of a character. They let I, her, they let yeah. her, they let her blossom. I agree. Yeah. I mean, like they let the crazy come out, especially, you know, thinking about the stuff with like the tights on her head because of the spiders, like <laughs> that whole thing is like, Oh, you're properly nuts. And it's kind of yeah. like a funny bit that comes quite quickly after them getting together, but it almost immediately, 
I think helps her fit into the family. Because as you say, yes. she's sort of like this almost seems like too good for him kind of figure. Mm-hmm. And then immediately is like, oh no, you're you're down on our level. That's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you're a weirdo. <laughs> so <Yeah>. It's fine. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> okay, calm down. I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm not in any danger. <laughs> I did some research and this is a way for you to overcome your fears. <laughs> once you realize that I'm okay, <laughs> you'll see there's nothing to be afraid of. In the world. Okay, guys, if you could please stop screaming, I think you're starting to freak the spiders out a little bit. Why do you have pantyhose on your head? Uh, because Jimmy told me all about your stupid phobia, and now I can't sleep without worrying I'm gonna wake up with a head full of spiders. <gasps> you told her? You told her what I asked you not to? She made me. Seriously, you guys really need to keep your voices down. Can you get this one off my neck? <laughs> stop screaming. What the hell? I can't believe you told her! And they're biting. They're biting me! But then even like her and, and Jimmy kind of, again, going on the journey of improving and, and being a parent, right? She has to kind of become a mum to hope. And I think that's an interesting dynamic and another yes. area, like as you, as you say, where they let the character grow and come into her own and like, okay, what kind of mum is she going to be? And they explore that in the sort of later seasons. And again, I think it, it all works. It's It makes her a lot more interesting to, to watch, and, that's for sure. And more likable, too. Like 100%. You, the, yeah. the more crazy you see out of her, the the better she's she's just a like just a better person somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Sabrina's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mm. also enjoy the joke that you find out that she's, from a really, really wealthy family at one point yeah. as well. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, but she's working at a grocery store for some reason. Like, what is yeah. all this? What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> that whole arc and, and some of the guests that you get in that, just, yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, speaking of as well, I, this is another one similar to a lot of shows I talk about. The guest cast in this are pretty solid. Um, as we mentioned earlier, if you're a fan of My Name is Earl, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces i mean yes. shout out to, to greg binkley is one of my favorite favorite comedy actors now i think the guy's just hilarious as as barney the store manager and mm-hmm. just the the chaos that is that man's life you know <laughs> yeah. did, did you ever watch scrubs you're a big scrubs fan or uh no i never really watched it no that's okay i don't know if you ever saw the character ted the sort of uh the the lawyer a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's kind of, it's that, that's my kind of reference point for characters like him, where like, they're just so weird and kind of sad, but you sort of grow to love them as the show goes on. And like, every time they pop up or they give you a little hint as to their backstory, it just gets more and more bizarre. And again, but it but played to great effect, you know, I mean, the idea of him being a store manager and also a voluntary police officer <laughs> and his weight fluctuates massively in between series at different points it's it's all that stuff about him it's just really entertaining when i say grocery you say palooza grocery okay now yeah he's he's got that sort of he's a sad character right yes um but i i kind of think of him as an eeyore in some ways not in Mm. the way he acts or is portrayed but in that he's a very sad character that you're like oh but i love you you know, yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very likable. Like yeah, yeah. It's like, um, your life sucks, but you know, man, that's. I feel for you, buddy. I hope it gets better. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, quite likable in some ways as well. And that like whenever they need something, the family, he's generally very reliable. Like always shows mm-hmm. up and is helpful and useful to them. So you're like, fair enough. Yeah, it's true. And it also makes you wonder, like, why are you always around? Yeah, <laughs> you get the impression he's very lonely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you have something better to do? Like, well, maybe you don't, actually. Mm. But I feel like it is a show, again, that, so what you said earlier, is very good at helping you to see people as more, like, kind of three-dimensional, right, and grow. And he's definitely a good example, as is Frank, uh, played by Todd, I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, Giebenhain? Uh, Hayne, I might have to correct myself here. Um, mm. But yeah, another one that on the surface could be that he's this creepy weirdo that kind of, you know, wanders around the store and says very creepy things to women particularly. <laughs> and, and, you know, like there's a whole episode, I think, with him and Jimmy hanging out and he's got like a model village with everybody. And yes, he's just kind of like, this <laughs> is strange. But again, like kind of grows on you as the series goes on. You sort of like, I don't know about you, it's those sort of side characters where you're like, okay, you're very odd, but I kind of like you, just sort of like another character in this town. Well, as, you're, as long as it's one of those ones where as long as this is as far as it goes, it's okay. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's him and um, Shelley, played by Kate uh, Machusi, who are just the same kind of like, you're lovely, but at arm's length. Like I, yeah, your life right. seems so chaotic that I don't want to get pulled too far. In. That's right. I'd like it to just be over there, but I'm glad that you exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. sort of, again, they're all kind of part of that that, that family, I guess. And uh, I'm just trying to think who else. I mean, um, I don't know how to pronounce the name here. I'm just realizing some of the names in this cast are, are not good for me. Uh, Behind you, Phillips, who plays Lucy. You know, we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. the mum fascinating and terrifying every time she's on screen. She's not in very many episodes, but when she does turn up, oh boy. <laughs> I kind of wish she was in more. Yes. To be honest, yes, I, I, I wish agree. I, she really brings the chaos because, well, mm. as we've talked about multiple times, she is, she is wanted for various crimes, uh, very violent ones. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, mm-hmm. It's it the the story of her and Jimmy meeting is is really funny and and just like of course this is of course this happened to Jimmy yes. you know why it couldn't have happened to anyone else but Jimmy yeah. and she, she's she's interesting I wish we could have saw you know this is you know this wouldn't have fit in with the whole flow of the show but I kind of wish yeah. we would have saw a little more graphic nature of of uh or a graphic portrayal of the things that she she had done would really. Have, uh, yeah, it would have it would have, it would have done it for me, but I'm weird like mm. that. It wouldn't have fit in with the <laughs> with the with the vibe of the show, but I, I I would have liked it. Maybe that's for like the sort of dark drama version of this that someone might remake in a few years. You never know. It's funny how dark her story is and yeah. how unsettling it actually is, mm. and it's just played in a way that makes you laugh. Oh yeah, like there's that whole <laughs> thing where you meet her parents and her dad's a psychiatrist who's. <laughs> basically psychotic and like you're just like oh this explains everything and (laughs) again all these sort of ways they play into these characters you say like it's really dark really weird but really funny you know and i I think even there's that i think it might be the end of a second series where she kind of threatens to take jimmy and hope away and it looks like that's where it's going and then the last minute she like jumps out of the van and like chases Sabrina down the street with a knife. <laughs> just, <laughs> she can't help herself. 
<laughs> and I don't know where you're watching that with my wife. I was like, oh, I did not see this coming. Like, no, <laughs> no. But again, but it's just it's the absolute ridiculousness. She gets hit by a bus. For anyone who's wondering, like that's how the series ends. Like it's just, yeah. Again, it sort of leans into that really dark drama of it, but it's just at the same time completely wacky. Just on its on a flip of a coin, it feels like they just kind of like and this. <laughs> just why not? These things happen that portrayed a different way would make you cringe mm. a little bit or go Ooh. yes. But, you know, like, the, I've seen people get hit by buses in movies before that make you go, ah, oh, yeah, ooh, yeah. and this is just like, <laughs> she got hit by a bus, you know, like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, isn't it driven by a character who's blind as well? Like, it's just like another <laughs> yeah. level of stupid to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but she's yeah. fine. Spoilers. Um, mm -hmm. She comes back. She always comes back. Yeah. Oh, Man, yeah. Again, again, I'm with you, man. I'm like, should have been in more episodes for sure. It does just bring absolute chaos to it. But I mean, if you if you're like a fan of, I think American sitcoms, as I said, the cast of my name is all turn up in this. You've also got Amy Sedaris, who's in my mind one of the funniest um, comedy actresses working, and should be in more stuff. Um, as she basically plays uh, Delilah, who's I think she's Virginia's cousin. Mm -hmm. And it's like constantly trying to one up her in so many ways. Like Amy Sedaris is really good at playing those like over the top hysterical characters and just yeah, delight when she pops up. Um, I try to think what else you got in here. I'm just having a quick scroll. Jenny Slate, again, the amazing Jenny Slate, Melanie Griffith, Michael O'Malley, uh, Jeffrey Tamble, just talked about him, arrested yep. development as Virginia's yes, dad. Yes, right? Yes, and he's incredible and he's just kind of like Yeah. Exactly what you'd expect once you get to know the character of Virginia a little bit more. You're like, oh, of course, this is your father. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's stuff like that that they just. I feel like again, it's it's a common talking point whenever we talk about comedies on this this uh, podcast. Is like, I think a good sitcom needs to know how to use its guest stars well, mm -hmm. and this one absolutely knocks those out of the park every single time. I think something I did want to ask you, uh, Blake, is. What did you make of the finale? I, I, it's kind of weird because it was one of those ones where I obviously knew it was the finale and we'd been saving mm. it and we'd been like, oh, let's not watch it yet. Oh, let's not watch it yet. Which we have the luxury mm. of doing in the, the, the not, you know, when the f show first day aired, that wasn't an option. But so we put it off for, for a yeah. while. But we immediately just went back and started watching it again. Uh, so yeah, yeah. it, it, it kind of wasn't it wasn't as as heartbreaking as it could have been um, but I think mm. it left off on a good note I think it was well done finales are always a, a controversial subject with any beloved show right and I, I feel like this yes. one probably isn't as controversial as, as some have been it was it was mm. well done I feel like it wrapped it up pretty well what do you mm. think I, I'd, I'd agree man I'd, I thought it was really understated mm -hmm. You know, it was one of those, I'm kind of used to, particularly American sitcoms, doing the thing where they do the big wrap up yeah. and everybody gets like a send off or their arcs are complete. And in this one, it is interesting because there was a few things planted in that final season. I think there's a, there's a mini arc where like there's a potential for Sabrina and Jimmy to combine their talents, right? Because a running thing in the show is that Jimmy's a really good artist. Mm -hmm. Like he, he can just—he's a good illustrator. He can draw pretty much anything. 
and there's a ser- as an episode where they kind of toy with the idea of them writing a kids book and and I kind of thought oh maybe they'll pick that up in the final episode and it'll be like you've got a book deal and and they go off in the sunset and or it's you know stuff like that um but that doesn't really happen i think the closest you get is you get a nice kind of wedding ceremony for for Burton Virginia and it's like a chance for them to have the thing that they didn't have as teenagers mm-hmm. and you're like that's kind of nice and sweet but it's not really changing anything about the characters because it's like they they still love each other. They still feel the same way. Their lives are still basically the mm-hmm. same, you know, and as, there's a handful of sitcoms I can think of where that's been the case where the final episode isn't like this big send off. It's kind of just like, yeah, things just, you know, carry on as they do. I, I, I think of like Seinfeld and Cougar Town are like two other shows I've watched where that happens where like you're expecting something big and it just sort of ends. Mm-hmm. But, and it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of like, okay, that was a nice episode. And then you, and as you say, you can kind of go, yeah, I can just restart this now, I guess. It's sort of like a loop. There's no, there's no real finale. Yeah, it's not like, uh, it's not like the Sopranos, you know, ending or something where it's like, uh, or no. it's like, it's very <laughs> final, you know, it's not, Oh, we, we've talked about that. <laughs> it's not like that at all. Uh, and I think that fits in with this show, though, because and I think Seinfeld is actually yes. a, a great example of that, too, where the whole yeah. show is just about whatever's happening. There isn't really other than they're trying to raise this baby. There isn't a main thing yeah. that's going on. Jimmy's not trying to become an artist necessarily. He's no. just really good at art and trying to live his life and raise this kid. That's really all the show yeah. is about as far as having a central hook or, or storyline. And this just allows you to imagine that, that these characters are off in their zany world, still having their zany adventures, you know, like, Agreed. and the no, you know, nothing too crazy happens to where, Oh yeah. Like you said, now Jimmy's got a book deal and he's gonna, he's moving to the big city and everything's different now. It just kind of lets you still imagine these characters are out there somewhere doing the weird things that they do. And I feel like that's a more comfortable place to leave this show off than some sort of big sweeping Mm -hmm. change that, yeah, now you have to wonder what, what's Jimmy doing in New York city? Like that just seems less interesting. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't want him to move to, I want him to have a good life, but I don't, I don't want him to get out of the, the town necessarily in the same the same way that mm. sometimes American sitcoms can have like this, oh, now they're off to their next adventure type of thing. Yeah, and I think you're right, man. And I think it kind of leans into the a theme really across the show, right? That they have a good life and you don't have to necessarily have the big fancy job, as you say, in the, in the city or whatever. as like your escape. You don't have to escape this life. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine as it is. And that's kind of a running thing in the show about being content and yeah i agree it makes sense that like oh yeah that they, they would just sort of carry on as they are like and that's fine they're they're all quite happy doing that mm-hmm. so like you said why would they need to have that big grand sweeping change or something in their lives to sort of send them off or like their problems have solved it's not that kind of show no it's not that kind of show and it's not how and as much as this show does not necessarily reflect 99.9 percent of people's lives uh, there's a lot of elements of real life in it. And I think that's, that's obviously much more true for a real person is even yeah. when you do have a big sweeping moment, a big, huge thing, getting married or having a kid or, or somebody passing that, that 
is it feels like a complete turning point in your life and in some ways it mm. is but at the same time you do just keep living you just keep going yeah. until you don't obviously we all we all mm. do that it's we all expire at some point but you do you just keep going you keep experiencing mm. things you keep having new things happen to you you keep doing things just as as normal when you have a big moment like in, in finales and in in movies and everything there's always this wrap up especially in movies there's a big wrap up and that's the end of the story but mm. when your story has been for 88 episodes of these people just living their lives you, mm. i think you like to imagine that it continues that same way and uh that's how that's how we all do things right when we sign off of this episode, I don't imagine that you just disappear and that's the end of your, <laughs> you know, like that's not the end of, of your existence, right? You go back to your wife, you do things, you have yeah. dinner, you, you have experiences, you know, for a long time. And uh, mm. I think that show, like you said, in, when we're talking about like exploring characters and making them feel more three dimensional and not just like mm. they're, they are here for this one purpose in this one moment. Sabrina really got that, I think, the most. Uh, th when a show does that, I think this is this is how you want to see it go. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. And yeah, for anyone listening, uh, where I am in the UK, anyway, it's on Disney Plus. It might be the same states wherever you are. I think it is on Disney Plus. I believe. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's not, there are <clears throat> other means. But I would <laughs> highly recommend that you just go and check this out because I I think as we've mentioned a number of times. It does feel like a very underrated, underseen kind of show. So if you haven't, go and check it out. Especially, again, if you're a fan of My Name is Earl and shows like that, this will 100% be in your wheelhouse. And if it's not, give it a try anyway. That's kind of the motto of this show anyway. Is that, right. Give things a try. So mm -hmm. there it is. Um, but yeah, before I kind of sign off, I just want to throw the floor over to you, Blake. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention with our conversation here? I think, well, we pretty much covered it. Go watch the show. Absolutely. Well, on that note then, uh, yeah, Blake, I'm just going to throw it over to you, my friend. Where can the good people find you and all of your podcasting and YouTube and all of that good stuff? Yeah, so I do a little bit of YouTube, uh, the channels. I'm, I'm the tone mob everywhere. I do a lot of guitar-based stuff. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, memes, short pedal demos, uh, all, whatever content I come up with in the moment is what I spit out there, and hopefully people like it. Uh, so that's at the tone mob on Instagram. Uh, the tone mob podcast is a show where I sit down and interview people from the music world. And I tend to, uh, originally I focused on their pedal boards and their gear and that signal chain. And it's sort of evolved into just tell me about yourself and we'll go from there. So I've had some pretty interesting guests on. I've had Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. I've had Frank Hero from My Chemical Romance. I've had a bunch of people you've probably heard of a lot of metal bands getting a lot of country people coming on here in the future and a lot of people from the guitar gear world that build pedals and things like that. So uh, the Tone Mob podcast is available everywhere. And I also do the Chasing Tone podcast with, speaking of pedal builders, Brian Wampler of Wampler Pedals and uh, Richard Oliver, who lives over there in the UK as well. And we just, yes. we just say insane things on the internet every week uh, that may be <laughs> tangentially related to guitar, maybe. Uh, so I think that's pretty much the stuff. Oh, and then if you do happen to play guitar, I, I'm a partner in String Joy Guitar Strings, and uh, we make guitar strings in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, if you like that kind of thing, we make it. So I think that's all my plugs. 
Nice. Mm -hmm. I'll be sure to put links in the show notes uh, for everybody. I think I've mentioned before on this show that, yeah, it is it is regular listens of mine, both shows. Uh, Richard has been kind enough to guest on this podcast as well in the past. Nice. And, yeah, definitely a big fan of what you guys do. And um, I can definitely speak as a guitarist for String Joy. I've recently tried them out. Really like them. So thank you. Yeah, happy to endorse all of your things, Blake, and put links, as I say, in the show notes. Anyone who's listening and want to go and check it out, just go for it. I very much appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, no, no. Thank you. Thank you for putting in all the hard work, mm -hmm. man. It's, uh, it's, it's always easy to support someone when what they make and what they're involved in is just good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I do try. So I'm glad you it translates <laughs> for some people. <laughs> awesome. Well, in that case, all that's left to say is just thank you so much, Blake, for coming back to the podcast. Of course. Thanks for the invite. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Blake, for coming back onto the podcast and sharing your love of this wonderful sitcom. As we said there at the end of the episode, if you've not seen it, just go and check it out. It's available on most streaming platforms now and is well worth your time. As are Blake's podcasts, of course. If you are not familiar with Tone Mob or the Chasing Tone podcast, you should change that today. I've left links in the show notes where you can go and check those out. I think they are both absolutely wonderful shows and they are genuinely weekly listens for me. In the Tone Mob, Blake gets to talk with all kinds of interesting people in the music industry and I personally have learned an absolute ton listening to those interviews. And Chasing Tone features both Blake and Richard Oliver, who was of course a previous guest on this podcast, and the enigma that is Brian Wampler. It's a really interesting podcast actually listening to these guys talk about music gear. And as he says, it often goes off topic and they just have really great chemistry. So if you enjoy that sort of thing, make sure that you head into the show notes. As I said, there are links in there for you to go and check it out. And I was being genuine when I said that the String Joy guitar strings are awesome. Again, if you're a musician listening to this, you want to go and check those out. Links are in the show notes. I'm not just saying it because Blake was on the podcast. They really are fantastic and they offer custom gauges, which I think is really cool. So if you're like me and you like alternate tunings and all that silly nonsense, then you can just go ahead and get some made to your own specifications. So I think that's pretty cool and worth checking out. If you have enjoyed this podcast and you would like to give me some support, then please consider doing a few simple things. First and foremost, just tell somebody. I really don't mind how you go about doing that, whether it's social media, word of mouth, etc. It really helps to grow the podcast. It is honestly the only way that this podcast can grow is for people to just recommend it. So make sure that you do that. You can also head over to your favorite podcatcher of choice and leave me a lovely five-star review or rating. Please be sure to let me know if you have, because I would love to give you a big thank you on the next episode of the podcast. After all, it is the least that I can do. And finally, if you want to throw in some money towards the podcast, of course, there is zero obligation. But if you want to, then please consider checking out the links in the show notes for the coffee or Kofi. I still don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, it's a donation page. You can donate direct there or you can head over to the merchandise stores and pick up something featuring the wonderful artwork designed by one Alex Jenkins. His details also in the show notes. Right, that's enough from me. I will be back in a week's time with a fantastic episode to finish out sitcom September. It might be a little bit delayed because it's going to be a big edit, but trust me, it's worth it. And it features two returning guests to the podcast. So make sure that you are subscribed, followed, whatever it is you have to do so that you do not miss out on that. 
Until then, take good care of yourselves. Go and watch Raising Hope. Go and check out the Tone Mob and the Chasing Tone podcasts. And I will meet you right back here for the final episode of Sitcom September. See you then. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Pepe Sylvia, this name keeps coming up over and over again. Every day, Pepe's mail's getting sent back to me. Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. I look in the mail, well, this whole box is Pepe Sylvia! So I say to myself, I gotta find this guy. I gotta go up to his office. I gotta put his mail in the guy's goddamn hands. Otherwise, he's never gonna get it. It's gonna keep coming back down here. So I go up to Pepe's office, and what do I find out, Mac? What do I find out? There is no Pepe Sylvia. The man does not exist, okay? So I decide, oh, Buddy, I gotta dig a little deeper. There's no Pepe Sylvia, you gotta be kidding me! I got boxes full of Pepe! All right, so I start marching my way down to Carol and HR, and I knock on her door and I say, Carol! Carol, I gotta talk to you about Pepe! And when I open the door, what do I find? There's not a single goddamn desk in that office. There is no Carol in HR. Matt, half the employees in this building have been made up. This office is a goddamn ghost town. Okay, Charlie, I'm gonna have to stop you right there. Not only do all of these people exist, but they have been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. Jesus Christ, dude, we are gonna lose our jobs. Well, calm down, because here's one thing that's not gonna happen. What? We're not gonna get fired. We're not. Because we've already been fired. We've lost our jobs? Yeah. About three days ago, a couple pink slips came in the mail. One for you, one for me. So what did I do? I mailed them halfway to Siberia, okay? If we've lost our jobs, that means we've lost our health insurance, which means all of this was for nothing. God damn it, dude, I am having a panic attack. I'm actually having a panic well, will attack. will you settle down and have another cup of coffee? I am, bro. All right, well, fine. You know what, Barney? Give this guy a cigarette. He's freaking out. Huh? Who? Barney. He's the guy who tipped me off to Pepe Sylvia. Barney? Who the hell is Barney? You don't see Barney. Oh, What the hell did he... You've lost your mind. You've lost your goddamn mind, Charlie.